Welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high-quality and high-value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host, Dr. Omerizami. Hello and welcome back for episode 14 of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami. I'm excited to be bringing you guys a two-part series with Dr. Bruce Freeman. Dr. Freeman is an orthodontist uh, here in Toronto and uh, works out of Mount Sinai Hospital, uh, specializing in orofacial pain and temporomandibular joint disorders. In this first episode, we talk about life outside of dentistry, managing burnout, side hustles, and many other topics, which I think you guys will really enjoy. Uh, Dr. Bruce Freeman is a very articulate and thoughtful speaker, so I really did enjoy this uh, conversation with him. And in part two of this series, we will be talking about more clinical dentistry, talking about occlusion, night guards, orthodontics, and of course, orofacial pain and TMD. So without further ado, we have Dr. Bruce Freeman. How are you doing today? Very well. I'm very uh, excited to uh, do my first podcast. Excellent. So um, if you want to just go into your background a little bit, um, obviously, just uh, to go over quickly, you went to U of T for dentistry, and then it uh, looks like you went over to the U.S. for uh, for a residency AGD. Right. And then you came back and did some ortho training. Uh, so if you want to just you know, take us back to uh, finishing up dental school and sort of what was, yeah, what was your mindset and sort of talk us through like what you know led you to ortho and then into the uh, TM, Masters of Science in TMD. So when I graduated, um, not a lot of people did internships it was sort of a new thing and uh, the main internships were hospital internships and I was uh, I applied to one of those and one of my instructors had gone to the Eastman Dental Center in Rochester and he said you have to go there I said okay (laughs) and you know you're young and impressionable and there were no internet so you couldn't check anything out yeah so I said okay I'll apply the salary was ten thousand dollars and <laughs> no ten thousand five hundred, and then you worked a couple days a week, so it was a simulating private practice. Yeah, and um, it was a little tough, as people know. A lot of your people that are graduating, you know, with match programs and everything, they're never in sync, and you're yeah. stressing out, and you're trying to guess and bet and <laughs> see who's going to take you. Um, so I called the uh, hospital where I now work and I spoke to uh, somebody who said, oh, you know, we'd like to have you in the program. And I said, oh, I'm just waiting, being naive, yeah. waiting to hear from another program. Um, when can I let you know? And he said, I don't know. No one's ever asked me that question. <laughs> so I thought, oh, well, I've just, you know, ruined my career before yeah. I left. <laughs> and I decided I'm going to go away. Everybody, including my parents, thought I had lost my mind because, you know, how could you go somewhere nobody's heard of? Yeah. Um, And I did. And my classmate from dental school, her husband was doing his PhD in Rochester, where where the Eastman Dental Center is, and we went. Yeah. (laughs) Not knowing what we were doing. (laughs) And it was the best experience of my life. I didn't know what I was doing, who anybody was, and I met people from all over the world that I am still friends with. I have a friend who's an orthodontist and a phenomenal orthodontist, Christina Corvati. She's in Bologna, and I've known her for almost 30 years. Nice, and yeah. I visit her. She visits here. We communicate. We show cases to each other, and it's great because you have an opportunity mm-hmm. to learn from a million different people. Yeah. So I did that. Then I wanted to be an orthodontist, 
And I, again, no internet, so I just <laughs> kind of applied to some schools, didn't yeah. know what I was doing. In fact, when I applied to dental school, I applied to one dental school yeah. because I really didn't know there were more. Yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm not joking. Yeah. I, so then I applied to ortho, came back and did my mass part-time while opening my first office, yeah. which was probably stupid at the time. <laughs> and I decided to do it in official pain and TMD. My first master's project kind of fell apart, and I, I last minute I went looking for a uh, another supervisor and another project, and so I kind of fell backward into TMD and facial pain. Yeah. Again, not knowing what I was getting myself into, <laughs> and uh, I now work at the hospital that I decided not to go to for my internship, and yeah. I now <laughs> interview people for that internship that I didn't do. Yeah. So I tell people if they don't get it, don't worry, you know, life goes on. And uh, so I help uh, manage facial pain patients, TMD, we educate the residents, the dental specialty residents, even some of the medical residents, um, facial pain fellows. So it's pretty amazing what you get to do. Um, some days are, are crazy because, you know, we're ordering MRI, CTs, and, you know, and sometimes you just have to take a step back and say, wait a minute, I'm just a dentist. <laughs> we have an amazing team of medical and dental specialists. So it's really the best care you can have because you have all the brains there. So, yeah. you know, if you don't know something, there's somebody else that does. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So, um, obviously, uh, we sort of uh, want to do a two-part series. And the first part is going to be more about, you know, life outside of dentistry. One of the things I want to sort of start off and talk about is grad, you know, the first few months can be pretty overwhelming. Uh, so, every every time you're at the office and you're doing something, you're kind of doing it for the first time. And, and everything's a big deal and everything's like a dramatic sort of failure. Um, if it doesn't go well, so what uh, you know, you've been you've been around for a while, and you've been doing this for a long time, and you've seen a lot of new grads coming into the residency program and, and sort of interacting with them that way. So, what uh, like tips would you have for a dentist having a rough day um, coming home? And because I know a lot of people uh, struggle with that initially, they come home and they're down on themselves, and then the confidence goes south, and then uh, other issues start to come up that way. I think you have to go back to dental school because just like you train and learn how to do a crown and a bridge, you have to train and learn how to screw up. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's sad, but things happen. Yeah. And it's not about the fact that something happens. It's how you manage it. Yeah. And that's why you're in dental school because if you, when you're in dental school, every crown you cement goes on without a problem. Every bridge you cement doesn't rock. Then you go into practice and the first bridge you do is, is you know, teeter-tottering back and forth. You're thinking, uh-oh, you know, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. So you want things to go wrong in dental school and you have to learn to really, you know, it sounds sort of corny and yoga-like, but you have to learn to breathe through it because yeah. you're going to get better. And the biggest problem right now is criticism mm -hmm. and you have to learn how to take criticism. Yeah. And criticism is a word that has a negative connotation. And to me, it shouldn't be called criticism. It should be called feedback. Now, there are many instructors who do not know how to give good feedback. Yeah. But, and they'll do it in front of the patient or they'll be rude about it or something. But you always have to understand that there's a kernel of truth probably in what they're telling you. Yeah. And you have to take a step back and say, okay, look, I just want to do a good job. I want to do a great job. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that is if I really pay attention. And you have to take your ego out of the situation. Yeah. And there's a thing I think we may have discussed on the phone when we were chatting about setting this up, the Dunning-Kruger concept. Dunning, D-U-N-N-I-N-G, Kruger, I think it's K-R-U-G-E-R. This is a concept about self-awareness. And a lot of people do not have this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people will 
you know, say, oh, I, you know, I paint on the side and they think they're fantastic and yeah. their friends think they've lost their minds. Yeah. So you have to realize <laughs> that. Like, uh, Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Or people do think they're funny and they're not, yeah. you know, but having self-awareness is tough because it's, it hurts the ego. Yeah. So you have to sometimes take a look and say, you know what? Pedo's not my thing. You know, mm. Pedo's not my jam. I, I just can't handle a kid. Yeah. Sometimes you think you can and you think you're doing great until someone comes along and says, by the way, you're not doing a good job. Yeah. So I think having this introspection and reflective kind of uh, behavior and introspection helps you understand that, yeah, I'm not good at everything and I'm going to get better. You yeah. know, you don't go to the gym and grab a hundred pound, you know, dumbbell five minutes after getting to the gym. You got to yeah. work your way up. Yeah. And it's the same thing. And learning how to handle a bad day starts in dental school mm -hmm. because a lot of people have grown up unfortunately now as you know you come in 10th in the race you get a ribbon i was gonna mention that yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's um there was a guy in the states i think uh a couple of his kids got a you showed up ribbon for football <laughs> he made them go back and return it yeah and there was something posted from a school in arkansas it was a um, it was a private school it says if you are here with your child's uh, gym clothes project or lunch turn around they will figure it out themselves yeah like you're not allowed in mm -hmm. and that needs to happen because you know what disappointment occurs and things <laughs> you know you go to put that denture in i still remember doing my first full upper denture it was a partial lower and i we had this one old-time instructor man this guy could he just fixed everything yeah. he just you know was so off the MacGyver, box yeah. so like yeah he was the macgyver yeah. it's funny that's there's two guys we used to call that yeah and one of them he'd been practicing for i don't know 900 years and uh i went up to him and i said you know i, I put my denture in i put the you know i i swear i think it's moving and he goes is it screwed in and i went well no he goes well then it's gonna move <laughs> i said okay well you know lesson number one for the day i've learned that <laughs> dentures one. move dentures move yeah and i even had an instructor back in when i was in dental school you had to run out of the lecture hall and sign up for a chair and uh, I was the only one in a section with one of our restorative or operative uh, instructors, as you call it. And he says, I don't understand. Everybody complains there's no chair time. Why are you the only person here? And I said, well, don't you know? And he said, no. I said, everybody's afraid of you. Yeah. And he said, what do you mean? I said, this is a guy who wore, he wore magnification back in the day before anybody did. Yeah. So he would have his glasses on, the magnifiers, a mask. And he would look at your impression and raise one eyebrow and people would run out crying. Yeah. <laughs> All it took was to see this guy's eyebrow arch yeah. like three millimeters and you know you were you screwed up. <laughs> so he said, well, why are you here? I said, I just want to learn. Yeah. And I always had that attitude and it was hard because it's hard to hear you're not doing a good job or it's hard to realize maybe I'm not good at something. Yeah. And when I interview, I always ask the question, I said, what procedure do you not like or you not feel you're good at? And... The candidate that says, no, I feel pretty comfortable about everything and I, I think I do a good job in all aspects of dentistry ain't no getting chance. in yeah. because that's that's a red flag yeah, you know, that you, sure. you think you're great at everything. <laughs> so it's really hard and I don't think, I think I saw pretty much my entire class at some point cry in dental school and yeah. it's just the natural thing. Mm -hmm. Um, we used to have a lab fellow, the, the guy who ran the lab, he'd walk into the cafeteria, it'd be noisy, people would talk, he'd have an articulator in his hand and the place went dead silent. And everybody was just praying that he was not going to come up and talk <laughs> to them. So, you know, dentistry is hard and people don't realize you're doing skills that you've never even done before. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you told people when you were applying to dental school on your, on your, um, 
interview that you played the guitar, that you did, you know, model planes, that you did all these things. Hand skills, yeah. Yeah, you have hand skills. But when those... (laughs) When the skill is attached to another, required is attached to a human being, it's a whole different story. (laughs) Because also people get upset, you know, when they start drilling on uh, plastic teeth in first year or second year, or they're doing uh, simulation labs, you know, the person next to them is, you know, Picasso and they are making a mess. Yeah. But it's interesting. Some of those Picassos in first year fall apart in third and fourth year because they don't know how to handle the patient. Yeah. And so you have to have hard skills, which are your clinical skills and soft skills. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is to, you have to realize when you graduate, that's when it really gets tough. And it's no joke. That's when you really start learning because you have no idea what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. You know, some people graduate having done, you know, only a handful of procedures. Some people graduate, there's schools in the States where you graduate having done 50 plus crowns and some people graduate having done four. Some people saw a bridge and never cut it. Yeah. So you're in practice and now you're learning, okay, my clinical skills are sort of (laughs) not that great and I don't even know how to talk to a patient. Yeah. So it's about watching, watching, watching. It's about listening to your podcast. It's about watching the principal dentist and sometimes people say, Oh, I'm in this office and it's the worst office. I say, great. And they say, why? I said, you'll learn more sometimes from working in a bad office than working in a good office. Because sometimes every procedure, every patient, the more you do something, the more you sometimes can forget there's, you know, those teeth are in somebody's head. (laughs) And then you see dentists chatting with their assistant over the patient, like they're not even there, not even a tap on the shoulder. How are you doing? Yeah. And people don't realize it's all about communication and it's all about being heard. And yeah, misery loves company, but by talking to other dentists and having a group of people that you converse with and bounce ideas off with, that helps decrease your stress. I mean, I've been an orthodontist for longer than you've been alive, and I have a group, and we share cases constantly. We talk literally every day. We text, we call, yeah. we, um, we send articles to each other, and that's the only way you're gonna learn. And then sometimes you realize, you know what? Everybody has troubles. Everybody struggles. Everybody's stressed. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my friend in Italy will sometimes write about a case. And, you know, I know it's a problem when in the subject line it says, Mamma Mia. (laughs) You know, (laughs) she's got a tough case on her hands. And she says, I don't know what to do. (laughs) You know, and she's probably one of the most phenomenal orthodontists I've ever met in my life. That's awesome. You know, so there's always about that. But part of it is you you ha- you've never really worked eight hours a day five days six days i know you work you know 49 hours a day 700 days a week <laughs> so first thing i would always tell people is when you get out into practice you need to schedule a mental health day yeah so let's say like you who works you know nine days a week you have to schedule every six weeks a half a day or a day out of the office and you plan something with your friends or your, or your wife or boyfriend girlfriend whatever and you look forward to that yeah and it has to be non-dental mm-hmm. and sometimes you'll maybe even a course where you go with a friend and your course is just out of town you have some go out of town you go for dinners you have a good time you meet new people you talk about things you also realize you're not alone and everybody's struggling the same way yeah um the other thing is also one thing i always tell people is uh yoga 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 and more yoga yeah i'm not talking you know jock yoga or crazy sometimes you know <laughs> cirque du soleil yoga i'm talking yin yoga hatha yoga because your back 
is your is yeah, your life. Yeah, I feel it already. I'm barely a year in, and I'm like, yeah, and I and you're lopsided. No, yeah. you're not. But, but, <laughs> no, I am. <laughs> yeah, when you Good go, observation. <laughs> yeah, when you go for a massage, and the massage therapist says, "Well, that's the best I could do." <laughs> so it's very hard, and when your back hurts and your neck hurts, then you feel down. And if you have a bad day, and there's some days you feel like. You know, GV Black, you're the best dentist yeah. in history. Yeah. And there's some days you feel like the worst dentist in history. And you have to realize there's ups and downs to everything. To put it in perspective, just be happy you know you're not a brain surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, imagine the stress that that person yeah. is going through. Um, you know, what does their bad day entail? Yeah. Um, so it's all about perspective and it's all about realizing you need that time to breathe. And it's, I know people owe, and it's really crazy how much money people owe now. Um, a friend of mine owes a quite a bit of money and he's dating someone that owes quite a bit of money. And I said, you know, you, you need to rethink this relationship. <laughs> so it's my situation. Right exactly. Now. <laughs> so, you know, wow, that's a lot of money you owe. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really stressful. And then you graduate, you're debt. Yeah. But you have to realize if you burn yourself out, then you're not going to be able to work effectively. You're not any good to your patients. Yeah. You know, you need to be fresh. Mm-hmm. And interesting. So uh, with the burning out thing, um, Obviously, everyone has like their own way of coping with it and, and realizing they're having burnout. And you hear different things like, and I sometimes in my work, I'm like, am I burnt out? Like I ask myself, I'm like, I don't know how that feels. Like what is, like how do you, like do you, have you heard from people or yourself? Like what would you say like are some like uh, warning signs to be like, let's like take a week off or a day off. Let's just like regroup here. I think. Because you're heading down the wrong. Like That's uh, a really good question. And one of the students I had, it was very funny. He said on Sunday, your weekend sort of dictate and tell you how you feel about work. One is you wake up on a Sunday and you realize thinking it's a Monday and then you realize it's not <laughs> and not a Monday and you're so relieved. Yeah. Um, so that's one little sign. Yeah. Another sign is what he called the feeling of impending doom. So yeah. every Sunday night before school started again on Monday, he said he, he had the feeling of impending doom. Yeah. So if, if you just struggle to get out of bed in the morning and you just... I and you're just in practice so you should be excited to get to the office yeah. do procedures talk to patients I think when you also get short with patients when somebody asks more than three questions I think when somebody you know comes in and looks like they haven't brushed in about a month and you just snap lose it. <laughs> yeah. you just yeah. yeah you go off on you know why how can you not brush <laughs> rant then you're thinking uh, I think I need a day off yeah and there's not there's no harm in taking that time off because you come back refreshed and you sometimes need to take a step back and realize that if your body's hurting sometimes it's because your mind is hurting and you're just overwhelmed and yeah. there's no there's no harm in realizing that again you're not great at something and maybe you need to get some more education before you move forward unfortunately again because of financial pressures or maybe dunning-kruger they think hey you know i watched an implant on youtube how hard can it be yeah so i have a friend who's a periodontist and someone sent her a case it was a young fellow high smile line and uh a new grad put an ortho put an implant in in yeah. the anterior in nice. the anterior region on a high smile <laughs> as you do yeah so you know <laughs> nine strikes against him yeah. and went to put the crown on and it was a young cool guy and he said dude you know this crown you know like <laughs> why does it look so high and sent it to sent it to my friend and said can you just put some gingival on it yeah it's not cut and paste yeah and then then said what did you think about my placement and the answer was it was bad yeah i mean there was one osteoblast struggling to you know like hug this implant (laughs) so 
you know, some, but if you don't know any better, yeah. you may look and go, oh, that's the best that could have been done. Yeah. And it's not the best mm-hmm. that could have been done. So recognizing that, you know, if you're struggling in procedures or it's taking you seven, seven appointments to finish a molar endo and you still only find three canals, maybe, maybe it's time to take a step back and say, I'm not really good at this yeah. and I need to start slow. I always tell younger guys, start with, start doing the cleanings on your patient. Start getting to know your patient. Let them get to know you and you build a trust. Because mm-hmm. I, I have a former student of mine who was a resident, uh, was interviewing for an associate and said said the same thing. Get to know your patients. Get your feet under you. Yeah. And don't bite off more than you can chew before you, when you start. And he said, do cleanings, you know, get get to know get yeah. to know who you're working with. And he put his hand up and said, Well, I just like doing big veneer cases. <laughs> So my friend reacted in words that I will not use for your listeners (laughs) and said, are you kidding? And he said, have you done a veneer? He said, no. (laughs) And he says, what makes you think someone's going to trust you to do one when you've never done one and you, the ink is still drying on your diploma. Yeah. So you need to walk before you can run. And one thing I'll tell you quickly is a lot of people now there's an impatience, whether they owe money or they just want to get going. They don't realize that back in the day you started at an entry level position so i use the example southwest airlines a very huge airline in in the states yeah one of the former ceos her first job was as the legal secretary to a lawyer who also was a ceo of southwest airlines Mm -hmm. so this is somebody who started in an entry level job and one day was running the company yeah and that's how dentistry is you got to go in you got to watch you have to observe you have to show x-rays to your principal dentist and if you don't feel you're getting the guidance then you have to find a mentor yeah and let me tell you finding a mentor is probably one of the greatest things you can do so what uh how would you because um just you know we're we're based out of toronto right now so um i found when i was looking for jobs most of the available positions are like satellite offices so the principal owns like three or four offices and there's you know plop an associate in and sort of uh, see the patients so it's it's hard to find mentorship i find um so what recommendations would you have for someone who's starting out if they're you know working in an office that they're not necessarily working at the same time as other dentists um or even have like direct contact with the principal that often like how would they seek out and find that mentorship that's that's great luckily because of the internet you know yeah. you can have a mentor on the other side of the world yeah um one sometimes people need more than one mentor you need sort of a life mentor you may find that the person telling you about dentistry is not the right person to tell you about life because their life's a bit of a mess you know you'll find a lot of dentists or doctors or anybody plumbers that are really good at their job but maybe at home is not working out so well Mm -hmm. so you sometimes need to find a life mentor but a you also need to find a clinical mentor sometimes it could be somebody who's two years ahead of you in dental school. Yeah. Sometimes because my ortho study group is made up of together, the five of us, I mean, we've been practicing for, I don't know, 115 years or something. And um, in total, not just me. <laughs> and um, so we, um, I find I mentor a lot of people because people like to have some direction. also like to know that, like you said, am I burnt out? You yeah. know, like, what's going on in my life? Yeah. So I think sometimes people just have to seek a mentor like they're dating and mm-hmm. you have to go up to somebody and say, hey, <laughs> can, I, can we grab coffee and talk about you mentoring me? Yeah. And there are people who would love to do it and there are people that just don't know how to be a good mentor. Yeah. And there are people that aren't good to be mentored in the sense that they don't take criticism well or feedback, as I said. 
So I think you have to look around and sometimes it could be a younger instructor maybe or somebody that has more time, somebody who's transitioning out of their practice and that can be from your dental school. That could be, you could find a mentor in a lab. Maybe the mentor is gonna be a prosthodontist you refer to or a periodontist you refer to or somebody who has the experience you feel a connection to and you think you know you have similar interests and you it's again it's like dating you have you can't be afraid to go up and ask or maybe you're at a conference and you can say wow you've got some great ideas you know do you mind if i ever email you or whatever and some people love it i love doing it i'm trying to help i'm helping people all over the place yeah um some people don't so and again you don't marry everybody you date yeah you know so um you're married so you know yeah Um, so you you have to sometimes then you've got that mentor then you have to find a life mentor so maybe there's there's somebody out there who maybe not even in dentistry, maybe they own a dental lab and mm-hmm. they seem to have a reasonable balance. People always say I want balance in my life. I said, if you want balance by a scale, because balance <laughs> is not going to happen. Yeah. So you have to look at people you respect in school. Maybe when you're in first year, somebody in third or fourth year was just really kind to you and showed you the ropes. Stay in touch because that person's got three, four years on yeah, you. Yeah, for sure. I've done that. It's been so valuable. I find because they're sort of at your level as well. So you're not like, uh, maybe shy to like approach them and ask like stupid exactly. questions exactly yeah. and you know if you feel when you're talking to someone that you feel you're being judged that's not the right person yeah you have to be comfortable enough to it's like being with your therapist you know to say <laughs> i'm really nervous about this or i'm stressed about that and i and i screwed up yeah and a lot of times people are just so anxious to get to the finish line they're forgetting there's a race to be run and I think that's part of the reason you get burnt out you get stressed you don't want to go to work on Monday morning you see a name on your day sheet you freak out going oh no this person's coming (laughs) back you know and a lot of the times the stress you're having is because you don't know how to manage patients yeah because you can drill the best crown in the world you can drill a class two better than anybody in your class but if you don't have the soft skills you don't know how to explain the procedure Mm -hmm. and you don't understand how to sort of, you know, gently get the situ- the patient on board with you, then you're going to have a problem. Yeah. And I always tell people Simon Sinek's amazing. I don't know yeah, if you've watched Simon yeah, Sinek. He's, so great. he's yeah. great. You know, the why. Yeah. And a lot of it's kind of yeah, a little corny and whatever. Yeah. And, you know, he's great. You may find his book a little long, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but um, if you don't know why patients come to you and you don't know why they've come to your office, mm-hmm. then how are you going to be able to serve their dental needs? Yeah. I mean, you've got a CAD CAM machine, you've got a scanner, you've got a drill, you've got all these, you've got the, you've got the what. Yeah. The how is the procedure, the why is just what procedure do they want? Yeah, and um, <clears throat> so that's interesting because uh, a lot of times, I mean, myself, um, like going into like healthcare and, and that's something I wanted to do like since high school. And I always knew, like you know I was always like involved in sports and like so you're always around people and you have like that camaraderie with like uh, your teammates and and communicating that way so I knew like the soft skills were there like I was I was like maybe maybe wrongfully so I was really confident in that side of it so when I was in school and I was in pre-clinic and like you said like everyone around me is Picasso and I'm like hacking like class twos and just like milling through teeth like trying to get it down to like an acceptable level I knew like I could like fall back on that so for the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, a lot of times now I talk to like a lot of dental students and I find, especially in Canada, because it's so hard to get into dental school, that it takes a special kind of person who's you know, really book smart and, and, and maybe lacks the soft skills to get in. Um, and I talk to them and you know, instead of asking me about like life, they're like, oh, how much money do you make? How much money do you want to make? How much money do you want to make when you own a practice? I'm like, 
man, like, just like ask me a proper question. Like, what is like, it's not all about money. It's not all about like, um, how much like procedures you do. It's about the soft people, the relationships. So if you're in dental school or if you're a new grad and you don't have those soft skills, what avenues are there? Do you think that would you recommend for someone to like seek out maybe improving that skill? Cause it's hard to do it necessarily on the job sometimes. Um, so yeah, what recommendations would you have? For well, that first regard? of all, number one, you can't be one speed to everybody. You can't watch a podcast. I listen to a podcast or watch a video or watch the principal dentist because that principal dentist has some lines and has a relationship with the patient. You're thinking, Oh, I'm going to use that line. And then the patient looks at you like, what yeah. did you just say to me? Yeah. <laughs> so you have to develop your own pattern, your own lines, etc. The other thing is if all you want to do is make money and that's how you're going to judge how your career trajectory is, you're going to be miserable yeah. and you're going to burn out real quick yeah. because at the end of the day, you're going to make a living. You're going to have a roof over your head, food on your table. What's your like, what do you want your legacy to be? So I want you to look to the end of your career Yeah. and you want people to say, he was the best dentist or she was the best dentist I ever had. They were always so kind to me, you know, when when my dad lost his job, she she did all the treatment we needed and she always found us somebody who would help us out. And I was in pain once and you know, he came in on the weekend or this, that and the other. Mm-hmm. That's your legacy. Yeah. So you have to realize money will come. Okay. But if that's your only focus, then healthcare is not for you. And a lot of people are losing sight of the fact that you know, you're a doctor of dental medicine or you're a doctor of dental surgery. Like you're a healthcare practitioner yeah. and people are losing sight of that. And dentistry is turning into this commodity, free whitening, free this, free that. Yeah. And it's all about the business, the business. And in orthodontics, I always say to people when I, when I, when I lecture, I, I'm mentoring them. I say, I don't care how many cases you start. I want to know how many cases you finish mm-hmm. and how many cases <laughs> do you finish? Well, yeah. So, Going back to your question about, you know, how do you develop those soft skills? A lot of, a lot of people I know have actually gone and done, um, stand up. They've done, really? they, yeah, they've gone to second city. <laughs> That's diving in deep. Yeah. yeah. But you know what you need to, you know, your first day of dentistry without, I always, I always remember my first day before I went to my internship, I practiced a little and it was as if someone turned a fire hose on in my face. You're just like overwhelmed, yeah. you know, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> And so it is difficult when you don't have clinical confidence to have those skills and look a patient in the eye and say, here's what we're going to do. Because in your head, you're going, I, I hope this is what you're supposed to be doing. Um, hopefully there's no non-dent, there's no patients yeah. listening to this. But, um, so I tell people do Second City. There's something called Toastmasters. Yeah, and I've looked into that actually. Toastmasters That'd be awesome is to amazing. Do. And, yeah. I, and I have a couple of friends that have done it and it made a huge change in them because mm. you just learn to shake off your fears. Yeah. Um, you can read all the self-help books you want, but reading by yourself, you know, in a coffee shop while <laughs> it's cool is really not going to help you. Yeah. Talking to somebody in the coffee shop <laughs> I mean, will actually be, you know, better. Yeah. Um, so you have to really get outside of your comfort zone. You have to really um, push yourself and just be really sort of nervous. And when you get nervous, then that's when you really move forward. Because if you ask any major performer, they'll tell you if you go on stage without being a little nervous, you're not going to give a good performance. Yeah. So Toastmasters, Second City, also striking up conversations with strangers because when someone sits in your chair, that person's a stranger. Yeah. And you're going to pick up a needle and pick up a drill and say, <laughs> hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. And, you know, go to town. Yeah. So 
you have to take a step back that for someone to let you get to that point, you really need to develop that trust. They have to know that you care. Yeah. I always laugh when, when asking a, you know, a student a question in an interview, they say, well, I would show empathy. <laughs> well, you're either empathetic or you're not. You yeah. just can't show empathy <laughs> you know, on demand. So I think by doing things, again, going out of your comfort zone, talking to strangers in a coffee shop or wherever you are, mm-hmm. Toastmasters, Second City, anything that gets you talking, developing the skills. And you may find you've got a sense of humor you didn't even know you had. Yeah. And the more comfortable you're cl- you become with your clinical skills, the soft skills tend to follow because you develop that confidence. Because if you say to the patient... So, you know, you have a large restoration in this tooth. I joke like it's an M-O-B-D element O-P. It's every letter in the alphabet. Yeah. And It's uh, <laughs> a good one. <laughs> yeah, it was like that one. I, I think the best thing is you need a crown. Yeah. Who's going to go, you know. I remember one mother who, uh, she's one of my favorites. Uh, when I first got into ortho practice, I said, well, you know, we could do it this way. We could do it this way. We could take teeth out. We could not take teeth out. And she put her hand up and she goes, I'm not here to hear my opinion. I'm here to hear yours. <laughs> and it was a wake-up call yeah. because I was almost thinking out loud. Yeah. And sometimes we overanalyze and we we beat ourselves up. And you, and that's why I tell students, you know what? When you first get into practice, but starting in dental school, take your full mouth series home if if it's loud, you know, for HIPAA uh, HIPAA reasons and everything. Um, take the full mouth series home. Show an upper class a class person and like somebody you know in in third or fourth year. Yeah do a proper treatment plan, sit in a room and just quietly. And I know dentists to this day, that's how they still do it. They don't treatment plan on the fly. They take the, they take the records home. Yeah. They have a view box or, or they have it on their computer. If you know, they're digital, obviously. Yeah. And you box being, you some know, people are like, being, what's a view box? Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> what's uh, a light box? <laughs> a so, uh, there are still people, trust me. Yeah. Um, you know, when you, when you say, can you email me the x-ray? And they're like, we don't have, we don't, we don't have that. Um, so, by doing that and and you know it's like cpr airway breathing circulation you yeah. don't you, you got to do it in the right order or it's not going to work yeah and the more you can talk to people the more you realize you're not alone everybody stresses everybody has bad days yeah. the more that you can know that you know what this is my i have a day off or a half a day coming up in six weeks this is great i'm gonna hang out with my friends or you know go out with my my wife husband whatever yeah. you know that's amazing and then you look forward you're counting down the days and you're going yeah mental health day yeah. and <laughs> look forward to it you yeah. look forward to it yeah. and exercise again the yoga thing anything you can do for your back and it's funny because guys your age a lot of them are, yeah, I still do this. I'm still doing Olympic lifting. Yeah. And I say, you're a dentist, right? And they say, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> because, you know, yeah. you, I always say you open and close a door enough times, the hinge is going to go at some point. Yeah. And that's like the joints in your body. And dentistry is hard on your body and hard on your mind. Yeah. I mean, everybody I know has had an ulcer. You know, yeah. So you have to learn how to take yourself out of the stress and separate yourself from the stress and not feel guilty to take a day off. Yeah. Because if you don't take a day off and you're angry every time you walk into the office, mm-hmm. what do you think happens? I don't know if when you're in your offices, if maybe an office manager or the dentist comes in is in a bad mood, what do you think happens? Yeah, it affects the whole team. Everybody's in a bad mood. Yeah. And then the patient goes into the next room and the patient says, hey doc, like, what's wrong? You're, you're in a bad mood. Maybe today's not a good day. You know, I'll come back. Let's not drill my teeth. Yeah, let's not drill my teeth today. You know, I'm good. I'm That's good. Awesome. You know, yeah. I'm in pain, but you know, let's move on. Yeah. So 
Again, walking before you can run, finding mentors. And when you're in dental school, you may have different mentors. Your mentors may be an instructor. Your mentors may be someone in third or fourth year yeah. um, or fifth year, depending where you're going to school. Mm-hmm. But I coach people who are applying to medicine, dentistry, law, film school, anything. So I, you know, I help them. Um, learn how to be interviewed and you know I give them readings and a lot of it's about psychology and about themselves and these are people that you know I still speak to after dental school after their specialties you know entering into practice yeah and you have to know yourself and sometimes that's don't get upset when you're entering into practice if if you realize the practice is not for you yeah when I graduated ortho um Again, I couldn't even put my diploma in a frame yet because it was the ink was still drying. Um, somebody called me. They were supposed to look after an office, and she couldn't go in that day for health reasons. And she said, "Can you look after it?" I said, oh, "Okay, I know. Well, I want to help you out." Yeah. It was this massive office, tons of hygienists, patients everywhere. I didn't know what I was doing, yeah. <laughs> and I realized I was in a shirt and a tie. And within forty-five minutes, the back of my shirt was soaking wet. Yeah. And thinking, "This is bad," <laughs> and I still remember this. Um, this business businesswoman came in and she was very she was in a hurry and mm-hmm. um, she was she said you know my bike doesn't feel right you need to adjust my bike and I still remember looking at her going ma'am I just met you I don't think that's a good idea because <laughs> you know we'll all be eating Japanese food off the floor because the table legs are going to keep shortening each one yeah. and I'll be left with nothing yeah so <laughs> I I realized within an hour I can't practice that way yeah that's not for me. My office is 600, I was originally in 600 square feet and when I had to move my office, people thought, oh, what are you gonna do, are you gonna expand? I said, yeah, I'm moving to 692 square feet. (laughs) Um, In our office, there's three of us orthodontists, we do all the work ourselves, we don't have, um, we put on every bracket, every wire. Again, things have changed. We scan for all the appliances, bracketing, is done through a scan and then 3D virtual positioning, and then nice. you get a yeah. you get you get uh, you get the guide and on the braces go. So I mean, it's so different now. Yeah, all surgeries done through virtual surgical planning. Yeah, the surgeons in one part of the city, I'm in another with the other orthodontist, and there's a engineer in Colorado. Yeah, and that's how we that's do it cool. now, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's changing a lot. The whole technology side of things, is and that helps you find a mentor. I have I have people that I'm mentoring in other parts of the country, and I say, hey scan the case, let my lab print the models, and I'll take a look. That's awesome. So yeah. you, you get a chance to, you know, you can communicate with anybody anywhere. Mm-hmm. And the thing students have to realize when they're in dental school and when they're, when they're getting out of dental school, and I think there's amazing opportunities. There's a great site, Dental Student Thread, yeah. um, on Instagram, and you see people being very honest, talking about the stresses, and yeah. I never thought I'd get into dental school. I never thought I'd get out of dental school. You know? <laughs> you know, you're so excited to get in, and the next thing is, uh-oh, like, am I going to get out of here? Yeah. <laughs> and so you have great resources where you can meet people and, and talk and realize, again, you're not alone, but you need to have the end in sight from the beginning to decide what is it you want out of practice and why are you and again going all Simon Sinek why are you doing this yeah like, why'd you become a dentist yeah you had an answer ready for your interview <laughs> but did you really mean it yeah, yeah. so that's I think awesome. that I think that's really important that's pretty cool so um in terms of uh, like you said you do a lot of coaching and everything like that um so I want to see sort of how you get into that with like obviously like me doing this podcast is like a bit of a side hustle for me and, and something that I'm trying to do outside of dentistry just to 
you know, change it up and, and hopefully just see where it grows to. Um, so my goal for this, just to give you a little bit of background on it, is um, I had the idea of the podcast because obviously I'm a big podcast listener myself during dental school and I got a lot of value from other people and learned a lot from what they're, you know, saying and teaching. Um, so during dental school, like my whole thing was like, yeah, I'm going to be like going to the business dentistry. I'm going to open like practices. And, and so I'm like, you know, listening to all these like dentalpreneur podcasts and, and uh, Howard Franz podcasts. And now I'm uh, out of school, and just because of like life situation, and, like my wife being where she is, um, obviously practice, opening a practice is not something that's like immediately uh, in my immediate future. So I thought of you know starting this newbie dentist to build sort of something and build a bit of a brand. And what I wanted to get into it because I'm really what I'm passionate about is talking to dental students and coaching them, and you know uh, guiding them into like finding a good associate position and sort of not getting burned like I got burned when I started my career and like wasting a few months and with some bad situations. Um, so you mentioned do coaching and that's something that's exciting for me because that's something that, you know, I want to get into down the line as well. Um, so talk to me about what you're, what are you doing outside of the industry? Like what's the side hustle that you have going on right now? Um, and we'll sort of dive into that for a little bit. It, it's interesting because just like you need a mental health day, you need a side hustle or a couple side hustles. Yeah. And one of my favorite instructors in dental school who recently retired, took me out to lunch it was it was you know i still call him doctor i you know i can't call him by his first name yeah um and uh he said if you think you know you're gonna go into dentistry and you know uh, accumulate all this wealth and everything he said that's it's very hard to do good dentistry and be a good businessman because nobody graduates dental school they get a dmd or a dds they're yeah. not getting an mba or a bcom yeah so you're being asked to run what could be you know at the end a seven-figure business and yeah. you have no experience <laughs> you end up with the wrong account the wrong lawyer whatever so you have to learn how to educate yourself and again like i said who are you as a as a as a person and a dentist so if you want to coach students and say hey you know you thought oh, i'm gonna open up five practices now you see what it's like to run one practice yeah. <laughs> and you're thinking i don't know being an associate's not so bad <laughs> you know the compressor broke see you next tuesday yeah. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a leak so. yeah there's a leak gotta run <laughs> by the way your receptionist is quitting <laughs> you know, i just heard her in the break room so and you're yeah i don't care yeah. <laughs> you know so there there's that you know uh there's sort of not my monkey not my circus you know yeah. it's like oh i don't care it's not yeah. my problem so developing a side hustle is good because you need to expand your brain and you need to get out of the dental world. A lot of people like to teach, even if they're teaching in dentistry, it's a nice chance to, you know, chat with colleagues, whatever, get out of the office. Yeah. Everybody's got a passion, whether they, they love yoga, become a yoga instructor. Mm -hmm. doesn't, you know, may take you a little extra longer, do it. Maybe you like to cook, maybe you like to paint. Who cares if you're good? Yeah. You know, burn some bread and, you know, again, <laughs> not everybody's Picasso. Yeah. So it's important to realize that you have a passion. Do it. If it means taking an art class or it means taking a language class, I decided four years ago I'm going to learn Italian. So I've been studying Italian. Yeah, and awesome. um, I also uh, ended up in the coaching because a dentist who I know called me and said his daughter was applying to dental school. Could you talk to her about her interview? And I said, I, I don't know what to say. And so she came in and they sat together. And the first thing I said to her was, I said, you need to sit up properly. Mm. And then I thought, hey, you know what? I maybe I've got to, maybe this is like, <laughs> I, 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 I think I could do this. I, think I, could do, I like giving orders. I think it's good. <laughs> and, you know, over 200 plus people later, awesome. <laughs> you know, it's kind of crazy. So how did that grow? Like from the first person, like how did you implement that? Or was I it something that naturally came? I hate to use a corny term, but it was organic. Um, yeah. Meaning I would help you know, kids of friends. And then all of a sudden strangers would call me Yeah, and then it became like a thing. Yeah. Um, 
so I edit for them. And there's even something called the five minute journal, which I think, which I think a lot of people know. Uh, it's an amazing, actually, I would tell students you need to do the five minute journal because it asks you what you're grateful for, what would make today great, but at the end of the day, why did today suck essentially? Yeah. And what would have made today not suck? Yeah. And it's it's good because there is something to be grateful for every day, as corny as again that sounds, because mm-hmm. you're in dental school, you're gonna get out of dental school. I always tell people when they're in school, every day is one day less. Yeah. So you're, every day means you're one step closer to the finish line, not mm-hmm. to the beginning. Yeah. And if you think that way, you know, when we were in fourth year dental school, somebody put up a thing where you just tear down numbers, <laughs> you yeah, know, 300, yeah. 200, whatever. Yeah. So developing a side hustle, everybody's got a passion. And if you don't have a passion or you don't have a hobby, then try a bunch of different things on your mental health day yeah. or, or whatever it is. I mean, look, you dove into doing a podcast and you're now heard in almost every continent and yeah. that's amazing <laughs> it's pretty cool yeah yeah it's, it's amazing the reach you have and there's somebody on the opposite side of the world who said you know what it's not just me i'm not i'm not the only one stressed because yeah. everybody thinks they're the only one stressed the only one suffering the only one you know crying at night because something happened um i still remember a classmate of mine who we called the restorative queen she had golden <laughs> hands and uh, she had this patient who was just so hard on her and she was the nicest person on earth and she finally got these impressions for for her removable dentures and she had her articulator in the box it came in standing at the top of the stairs he was there when it happened the handle broke away and it wasn't wasn't those sturdy articulator boxes it was the cardboard box boom 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 (laughs) and you know crash yeah and she lost it. And yeah. I don't blame her. I mean, how many people do you see in a lab polishing a temporary, not realizing there's no net at the back, and all of a sudden you hear clackety-clack, boom, the tent's gone up, <laughs> yeah. the, up the vacuum hose. Yeah. So stuff like that happens, and that's why you need <laughs> to have something on the side, whether you do a podcast, whether you bake bread. I mean, I've got friends doing all sorts of crazy, inventive, cool things. They're ski instructors. They're swim instructors. They, they do synchro swimming with a team. There's yeah. a, or they're cyclists. There's a million things you can do, but you have to push yourself to do it. Yeah. You know, it's just like working out. You you have to treat working out like a job. Otherwise, you're not, not going to do go. it. Yeah. So I think it's important to have a side hustle. So the, so the consulting or coaching for me just kept people just kept coming. And, and there's a lot of imposter syndrome. And that mm-hmm. never goes away. And I thought, what am I actually telling these people that's of any value? Yeah. But then I figure... You know, if the if I help somebody and they said you helped me so much, and then they send somebody, I guess I am helping somebody. Yeah. But it's like being a dentist at this point in your life. I'm sure you go into work some days and you're thinking, whoa. <laughs> you know, some yeah. of your some of your listeners are still living at home, and they're you know on Monday they have a scalpel in their hand or a syringe, and then on the weekend their parents are saying, hey, did you take the garbage out? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you know they're still a kid, yeah. and then on Monday they're a dentist. Yeah, so. It, it's important to realize that it's not the be-all and end-all and that you have to put it in perspective. You have to continually educate yourself. You have to always want to get better every day. But taking that time away from dentistry is just as important because otherwise, like you said, you burn out. Yeah. So with the side hustle side of things, um, just like for my own benefit and for the listener's benefit, at what point like when you started it, did it go from like maybe this is like a hobby I'm just doing this for fun or like oh wait I can like monetize this or this can be like a nice little not even like necessarily that the money is like you rely on the money because obviously like if you're in your day job you're making pretty decent money as a dentist but for the validation of like 
this hobby is now like a thing. Like people are paying me for my services. Right. There are some people that don't want to monetize or some people that um, they, they're into bodybuilding. And I say, oh, are you doing competitions? They say, no, because if I do a competition, it's going to feel like work. Oh, okay. So you have That's to know. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah, you have to know who you are or say, wow, you should open a restaurant. No, I don't know. It's too <laughs> stressful. I don't want to do that. That would ruin my joy of doing whatever it is yeah. I'm doing. So you have to know who you are. It's not always about monetizing it. Mm -hmm. If you feel, hey, I don't always want to practice dentistry five days a week. I know people that book book bands. They practice two days a week and they book they book musicians. Yeah. And I know people that um, that actually have great. Um, they're amazing artists and they sell their art mm -hmm. or they. Um, or they tutor or coach other languages or, or sports or whatever, and they actually have a real business. And some of these people had this business even before dental school, yeah. and they've continued it. Mm -hmm. So if you do want to monetize it, you have to make that decision. You need to be a good dentist before you can start having a second business. Like you need to be good at your first business. Yeah. So it's important to cultivate that the same way you're cultivating your dental skills and also realize Sometimes when you monetize something, you take the, you take the thrill and the fun out of it. Yeah. So you have to decide: is it again? Is it all about money? And when you graduate dental school, you know, I know one guy. He graduated dental school. He's a specialist. And this was a hundred years ago. He went, he ran out and got a Porsche. Yeah. And there was a point where he joked he was almost living in that Porsche you know, because he, he couldn't afford it. And and he was over six too, so living in a Porsche was yeah. actually not going to be that comfortable. Yeah. So you have to decide right now. You know, you don't make any money on your podcast, yeah. and you're hanging out with me on a Saturday where you could be doing a million other things, but. At some point, yeah, maybe it'll monetize itself. Maybe you'll approach somebody and say, hey, do you want to sponsor this so that I can have a bigger reach and reach more people? Yeah. But at the end of the day, I could say to you, this year you made $10,000 doing your podcast. Or, and I could also say to you, there's 300 people in some other part of the world that's 10,000 kilometers away that are addicted to your podcast because they listen to it and feel so much better about the stresses of dental school that when they go to school on Monday, they've laughed off the stress on the weekend. Yeah. That, the, you that's know, so valuable. Yeah, exactly. That's but you invaluable. have to say to yourself, there's money, but there's yeah. impact. That's pretty cool. And that's, that's like, it's, it's funny that you mentioned like the, uh, you know, be good at your day job first. Cause I think that's like just my personality type. Like my wife gets on me all the time. She's like, don't forget like you're a dentist to like be a good dentist first and then like start all these like business ideas. Um, whereas my mind is always like going like hundred miles per hour. Like, Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to start this. I'm going to start this. Yeah. And my, it sounds like you married up that your wife's smart. Yeah. So. No, she, I, she, yeah she's yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think she listens to this, but if she does that, well, I'll, I'll give you some uh, brownie points for yeah. sure. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, like I have this like big vision and it's partially because you maybe say you like, get some like life mentors and life coaches. Um, I listen to like, I don't know if you know, like Tim Ferriss. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah so I'm like a big our body for yeah. our work week. Yeah. So I'm a massive fan of, of his podcast and he always has like, you know, influential people. And, and one of the things that, really sticks with me is like the whole thing of like legacy and you mentioned legacy earlier of like what do you want to be remembered for so I'm starting all these like little projects here and there not knowing like which one may, might take off and you know when I'm like 80 or when I you know when I'm like dying I can look back and be like I'm so happy I did it because now it's this and now like you know uh, not even for the like the fame or the money like it's going to continue beyond it's going to continue beyond me so I have like the humbleness to be like my dentistry is going to retire when I retire like I'm not gonna be like JV Black and like the Zambi <laughs> classification of something and like that's not necessarily <laughs> but that's not necessarily like my like Damn. driving yeah. yeah so 
So I want to create something that like, they'd be like, you know, this is like someone did this and this is like a thing and it's like changing people or helping people. So um, that's where sort of where I'm at right now and that's where I'm trying to like pursue in the future. So we'll see where it goes. Um, one thing, cool. one thing you have to recognize is Malcolm Gladwell in his book yeah. um, talks about ten thousand hours. Yeah, nobody, I'll, I'll a lot of people don't yeah. even realize where that comes from. It yeah. comes from to master skills ten thousand hours. Let's say you're a dentist doing a little bit of Invisalign every week because you think, oh, there's this technician in Costa Rica and they just teach me how to do orthodontics, yeah. <laughs> or, or you know, you're putting implants in six months after you know, and then you realize you get in trouble. Yeah. Okay. Just because you see it on Facebook or see it on Instagram or watch a YouTube video doesn't yeah. make you an expert. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that great guy in Russia who's on Instagram who took out his own wisdom tooth. Yeah, I, I saw know. that. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Yaka or something. Yeah. I, don't know. I can't remember his name. He's, he's, I've actually chatted with him on oh, Instagram. Really? Yeah, he's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but um, 10,000 hours. So let's say you do a little worth of four hours a week. Yeah. You would have to work every week of every year for guess how many years to get your 10,000 hours? Like 20, 30 years? 52 years. 52 years. That's a long time (laughs) to become good. So it takes 50, so you're not really good until for 52 (laughs) years. Whereas you realize, you know, your wife's about to enter a medical residency. You know, you get that 10,000 hours in, you know, right away because you're, that's all you're doing. So one way to also avoid stress is focus on what you're good at and if you're not learn how to be good at it mm-hmm. but also if you're going to do ortho or endo or whatever show your work to a specialist and if a specialist looks because you again dunning kruger you may look and think hey this looks great you know um a lot of people that i spoke to of my generation used to do all their own endos until they realized they never found four let alone five canals and they were drilling holes in all their crown and bridge and realized i think i need to stop doing yeah. endo <laughs> Because let's say you're an associate yeah, and let's say you're doing a procedure that's $2,000. You're getting 40% of that 2000 Take off the lab, take off your percentage, take off the taxes. You're going to compromise a patient's health and well-being and, which is number one, not number two, that's number yeah. one, and your, and your career for what in the end comes out to $300 or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, doing an endo that takes five appointments or something, you have to know, and I know endodontists, that they'll get a, they'll get a referral. There's part of a, an instrument in one canal and another. So you think people would, after, they, after they've <laughs> separated an instrument in one canal, instead of saying, oh, geez, I'm, I'm in over my head. Well, I'll go to I'll go to another <laughs> canal. Let's see how many I Let's can actually again. let's see how many I can actually finish before you know before I set this off. So you have to realize you're not doing the patient a service. And guess what? That patient's what I call a geographic failure. They left. How yeah. many times do you get an emergency patient and you know they came in and you did almost nothing for them? You know maybe they had a seed stuck or something, and you know you saw them and you said, oh, this is so simple. Do you know how many people, when they walk out, with the, that patient would get a bill for an emer- a specific exam, a merge exam, a periapical, da-da-da-da? You flicked out a poppy seed and the patient got a bill for $250. Yeah. Do you think that patient's coming back? Do you think that patient's going to refer you patients? No, but you're like, hey, I made $250 in 10 minutes. Yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah. You were unprofessional and you just ruined your reputation Yeah. for a few dollars. Yeah. And you have to have... The big, I'm not saying you necessarily have to have a vision board, but you have to have the big picture. Yeah. And this is a problem. Everybody looks on Instagram and sees all these dentists or, or whatever, and they all look like they have amazing practices. Well, if you're on Instagram that much during the day, I don't <laughs> know how busy, busy. <laughs> you can't be that busy, number one. <laughs> and number two, 
I know some people that are really funny on Instagram and I actually see what they do clinically and I write them a note saying, you know, uh, you might want to take another look. You did this, you did that. And these people have said, written back to me and said, thank you so much. I didn't realize I think I need to take a step back. Mm-hmm. And life is not about Facebook. And I really think a lot of people need to take a step back from social media because even though you think it doesn't bother you it bothers you yeah um one student who i coached he's in his last year of dental school he said he was in he was in europe with some buddies and they were having the worst day it was pouring rain and they hadn't eaten and it's just the whole day was ruined yeah and they ended up in this restaurant so one of them took a selfie and everybody's writing to them and saying wow you look like you're having the best <laughs> time and he's like no i'm having the worst day ever <laughs> and he goes i'm hungry we have no money like this is our last day yeah you know i'm not happy yeah but everybody else thinks wow yeah look it's at easy to life. fake it it's easy to fake reality well, everybody's faking it till they make it yeah do you know and there's a lot of dentists out there that are you know i hate to say it they're crappy dentists but they have soft skills to the nth degree yeah. and people think they're charming and great, but mm-hmm. they don't have, they don't have the hard skills. So if you look at that 10,000 hours and you look at how hard it is to become good at something, when you become good at something and you get that under your feet, then, you know, it's good that you've got a lot of little side hustles and you're thinking, which is going to be my main side hustle. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like I said, I do some uh, editing work for the five minute journal and because why I started using the five minute journal, I thought this is great. And I wanted to do some speaking. How did I do it? I approached the people who do the organizing. Yeah. What's the worst thing you're going to hear? No. Yeah. And you know what? To move forward in life, you're going to hear a lot of no's. You're not going to get every job that you apply for. Not every patient's going to accept your treatment plan. But the other thing is if people aren't accepting your treatment plans and your practice isn't growing, Whose fault is it? Yeah. And the person responsible is the person you see in the mirror every morning. Mm-hmm. And that's you. You can't keep just blaming everybody else. I'm sure you know there's one or two people that are friends of yours and you and they say, oh, the, you, you went to school in Australia. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all the restaurants in Australia are terrible and all the, sur- you know, the service is terrible. You know, this is terrible. That's terrible. I always look at that person and say, well, maybe it's not the restaurant. <laughs> you know, maybe let's look at the common denominator. Yeah. Let's look at you, you know, and why do you find fault with everything? Yeah. So you have to own your own crap essentially mm-hmm. and realize, um, as a very wise woman told me, everybody's driving a garbage truck. You can let that, you can let them dump their garbage on your doorstep or not. So you can't internalize. Everybody has a bad day. Yeah. So if a patient's upset with you, you got to realize you got to put it into perspective. It may be something you did and you have to think about that, Mm -hmm. which you also have to think, you know, maybe they're having a bad day. Yeah. But what's wrong with following up at the end of the day and saying, Hey, you know, you seem very stressed today. Um, the other thing she said is, you know, let's say you're driving, you're trying to make a left turn. The person behind you is honking the horn. You're like, what am I going to do? You start getting all upset. Flustered, yeah. Yeah. And someone in the car with you says, why are you upset? This person's upsetting me. They're mm-hmm. no, they're not. You're letting yourself be upset. So you have to put things in perspective and realize every day is not going to be amazing. Every day is not going to be Instagram worthy. Every day is not going to be Facebook post worthy. Yeah. And that's reality. Mm-hmm. And right now, a lot of people, especially your generation that grew up, in social media yeah. it's an altered reality it's the matrix yeah no it <laughs> is and it's interesting because um, with my when I first started the page like I started Instagram before the before the podcast just to uh, build a little Test community waters, yeah, yeah and also to like network a bit to get guests for the show so I started posting like my work and obviously like my work's not great I'm just a new dentist and 
you know, posting failures, posting like bad isolation with rubber dam and not being scared to post it because most people don't post it unless it looks like spotless. Right. And, uh, it was really satisfying because like about a month in, I got my first, some uh, dental student from the Netherlands messaged me. Uh, and she's like, it's really cool that you put your failures because like no one else does it. So I think I was like pretty cool and that's made me like continue to do that now. Um, and this way, like I can see growth like in my work as well, right? Like if I'm just posting the good stuff and hiding like all the bad endos or like if I operate and it's like three mils short, uh, I'm not going to learn or and no one else is going to learn either. Um, so that's pretty cool that, that we went through that. So the final thing I want to sort of end off on, and it's something that kind of goes back to like Tim Ferriss, because um, I'm really sort of inspired by how he does his interviews, um, is he talks about like sort of like morning routines and like that kind of stuff. So what's your like morning routine like in terms, I know you said you have like, uh, you do like the five minute journal and like yoga and all that. Um, something I've been recently trying to get into with like the Headspace app is like meditation. Cause, it's my favorite app. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, like literally everyone that he interviews that's like successful and whatever they do in in their work, everyone's like, yeah, I meditate every morning. I do like religiously it and have like a morning routine. And then there's that book like the um, uh, Miracle Morning. Yes. Uh, so it talks about like waking up earlier and like doing like a gra- gra- gratitude journal and like practicing something yeah. or being creative. I've been, I've, I've met the, I've met the author. Oh, like, no I've way. met a lot of these people. And That's it, awesome. And it's interesting. You have to realize number one, what they're writing is for, is works for them. Yeah. And also what they're writing is for commercial success. Yeah, so you have probably. to, you have to, you have to, and even Tim Ferriss, you got to give him props because he says, don't just read my book cover to cover and try and do everything. Cause yeah. you're going to end up doing nothing Yeah, and cherry pick mm. scan, you know, see, read the contents and he uses supplements. Maybe you don't want to use supplements. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to eat the way he eats or exercise the way he eats. And if you or exercise the way he exercises, if you try to do 10 things at once and change 10 things in your life, you're going to end up changing nothing. Yeah. So yeah, I've changed my routine, learning how to de-stress every morning. I take, you know, cause I read all these people too. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm friends with Alex and Mimi icon who always talk about on Instagram and YouTube about their morning rituals and okay. everything. <laughs> and some people look at it and say, Oh, like, like who has the time for that? Yeah. But you may, they may do one thing, Yeah. you know, fresh ginger, uh, boil some French ginger and lemon and warm water in the morning, get your digestion going, which mm-hmm. is a big thing for people. Yeah. And then, then I'll have my own espresso. Yeah. I may add a little organic grass fed butter <laughs> just so I can think I'm cool. Um, <laughs> And then I always make sure that I pack my, pack a lunch. I yeah. pack my snacks. You know, mm-hmm. I'm prepared because when you get hungry or hangry yeah. uh, during the day, that can throw your day off. For so sure. it's always good to eat a healthy diet, get in the habit of doing that. Just like you look forward to your days off, look forward to your cheat days. And yeah. I think about my cheat day every minute of every day. Um, what days are cheat day? Uh, it depends. Yeah. I look at my schedule and I'm like, am I going <laughs> out for dinner? Day, yeah. Where am I going? Yeah. You know, <laughs> do I want to cheat? cheat day at that restaurant or yeah. <laughs> cheat day I'll wait till Sunday or something yeah. so um, pasta bread butter yeah. I mean warm bread and butter that's, that's all the, I need that's life. and yeah. french fries yeah. <laughs> you know what more do you need some people like cake some people yeah. like french fries um, so I have that ritual I do a little intermittent fasting because oh, nice. it gets your energy going I'm going to start getting into that yeah. it, it works but you have to realize like anything if you always fast 12 hours a day then your body's going to get used to it so you got to challenge your body like you challenge your mind Yeah. and you've got to mix it up and when you're in dental school start to see what works start to see what gives you more energy in the morning or not um, so um, all about digestion reducing stress reducing inflammation I listen to Headspace at night because yeah. I find I'm too stressed in the morning to listen to Andy you know tell me to relax <laughs> yeah um, uh, all those guys have British accents do you ever yeah, know all it's these, calming I think yeah but all, <laughs> I wonder if they actually have British oh. accents I mean <laughs> voice every, actors every, uh, yeah every meditation app there's uh, some British guy yeah um, 
So I, I always meditate at the end of the day. I try to read. I always tell people, you know, and I'm, I'm a bad offender of that, but uh, I have twilight mode on my phone. Just get flux on my laptop, you know, wind okay, down, nice. get the blue light out of you. Yeah. But I'm learning better to actually turn my phone off an hour or two before bed. Although I'm kind happen. of addicted to online Scrabble. But yeah. <laughs> um, but that's important to do in turning your phone off. A friend of mine, I was just out to dinner with him. Him and his wife has a thing where they, it's in the kitchen. They put their phone in and it's on a timer and you can't get your phone oh, out. Oh, no, it's like locks in? Yeah, yeah. it's a lockbox. Nice. <laughs> um, which is kind of smart. And that yeah. way they're, they, that's their time to talk, make dinner, do whatever. But you have to know what decreases your stress because sometimes doing everything, you know, peeling a hard-boiled egg just like Tim Ferriss or uh, you know you're at a restaurant you're doing you know piston squats and like uh, wall push-ups to reduce the you know reduce the effect of the dessert you just ate yeah. that's not for everybody yeah and you can see you know I've read the book yeah <laughs> so, you know not all that's possible so you got to pick and choose what's right for you change one thing a week yeah change two things the next week but people don't realize when you're in school you've worked so hard to get to get into university then you work hard to get into dental school then you work hard to get out of dental school but during that entire time what was one thing that was consistent it was regimented yeah and all of a sudden you graduate and i remember the one the first day i was finished with school and it was at 10 o'clock in the morning and i wasn't working until the afternoon i was walking around and people were going to the dry cleaner and they're like <laughs> doing stuff and i'm thinking you know, where have I been? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a wild time. Like you just enter the world. You're like, wow, well, I can like do anything I want right now. Like, there's no, no one's like, like I know, I can, and you like, don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah. So you have to develop routines because you kind of still need that structure because that's who you are. Yeah, you're that person. That's why you went into dentistry. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If you if you see you know a picture in somebody's house and it's crooked, what's your natural tendency? It's yeah, like, I'll just fix that for you. Um, so you number one, never change too many things at once, and number two, find the things that work so that your body's working well, so that your mind can work well, so that when you go to the office, you're feeling good, you're not feeling tired, you're not going out till eleven o'clock at night when you have to be at work at eight in the morning. Yeah. You're not drinking coffee at nine o'clock at night. You know, you're not uh, you're not not exercising. You're yeah. eating badly because you can get away with that stuff. It adds up quickly. Well, yeah. how old do you know? 20, 20, 29 soon. 29. You know, I'm sure you say things like, oh, yeah, I can't go out as late as I used to. You're 29. Yeah. But, you, and, <laughs> but it catches up with you. Yeah. Dentistry is hard on your body. And not only that, you may do, you may have an afternoon. You did nothing but recalls and a couple of restorations. You're exhausted. Why? Because mentally... You're tired because you were talking to 500 people. Yeah. You had to answer a million emails. You had to, you know, you had to do some comfort calls, which we'll talk about later on. Um, and when you do a comfort call, it's you that does the comfort call, not yeah. some, not a staff member. I'm big on that. But you, again, if your if your mind is not clear, your body's not humming along, then dentistry is going to beat you down and then you know what's going to happen. You're going to get everybody goes through the angry, frustrated part of their dental career. Yeah. You have to be prepared for that and figure out why you're frustrated or whatever, because maybe you're practicing in a way you don't like to, maybe you're working for someone you don't like to, maybe you're doing procedures. You just realize, you know, after so many years, you're really bad at. Yeah. Um, so you have to always check in on yourself. And that's why any journal, like the five minute journal or whatever is really good because it, ca- it causes you to always self-evaluate mm-hmm. because you're doing a great thing. You're posting. And that's what I love because so many people only post the great things. When I lecture, I say, here's a case I don't think worked out so well, and here's mm-hmm. why. And I don't blame the patient. Sometimes it is cooperation. Sometimes it is biology. Sometimes, 
you know, you tried to do your best and it didn't work, or it's a, it's a combination of all yeah. three. Yeah. But uh, you have to always keep analyzing yourself. When I do any procedure, I always still, we had some instructors that were really strict and they're always in my head and I always think they're looking over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. And if you work that way, you'll always get better and recognize that taking time away from the office is not a sin, you know, you need that. Um, developing a side hustle no matter what it is so that you can think about something other than dentistry for a few hours and recognizing the way to decrease your stress and have the most success is to try and get better, better, and better at the things you're good at. Mm. Stop doing things yeah. that you're not good at. <laughs> not worth it. <laughs> not worth it. You know, and it's it's like doing specialty work you're not good at. That's mm-hmm. how people get in trouble. Yeah. And how many how many of your new grads that you're friends with, how many track what happens to their new patients? Not many, I would say. What's your retention rate? Yeah. And if it's not good, why is it? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people come in for free whitening. That's not a loyal patient. They're, yeah. They don't care what you have to say. They just want the free whitening. Yeah. You're, there's no why there. Simon Sinek would cringe. There, there's no why. They just, I'll tell you why they're there. They want the free whitening. Yeah. But bargain so, hunters. Yeah. That's not, that's not someone who says when you move, they're going to go, I don't care where you, where you move to. I'm going to follow you. Yeah. And I have colleagues and friends that patients, come from Europe when they they move to Europe when they come visit Canada they they book an appointment yeah that's incredible so yeah. and that's the type of dentist you want to be mm-hmm. and guess what they're successful why because they built the one thing that dentistry is really about and that's relationships yeah for sure and that's one of the one of the best things i heard in dental school um, was build the relationships and like the money will come like that was like one of the one of the mentors like we had always said that and it's so true like you're not trying to like i think and I, I struggle with this too because you know we, f- we focus on oh what was our production today what was our collections today and like we live like day to day you're like happy one day you're like sad well, why don't day. you focus on how many people did I make happy exactly today? I think that's a better way and and I think when I started do, like you know I had that shift me like six months ago I was like I'm not gonna like because I would come home I would like chart like my production and Excel and be like okay that's how much I made it and like I was like so like focused on that side of it and now like for the past like six months I don't even like keep track really like it might be bad because I might be underpaid but I'm like I get my pay I'm like okay sweet like that's good enough like I'm happy with how it is and I'm um, more focused on the procedures and like trying to do better work and build better relationships and I think in the long term that pays off like a hundred percent happy patients send other happy patients yeah, for sure. I mean you have to realize you could be 10 minutes late you don't apologize what you should be doing they're on Yelp yeah and they're yelping yeah. you know and not in a good way yeah and you 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 have to focus on saying at the end of the day you did a bunch of procedures you got paid mm-hmm. you made money yeah but you have to look and say did people leave happy today that should be your first question yeah did you do them a service or did you as a one friend of mine says did you do them a disservice today yeah. you know and if, you, <laughs> if that's the answer then you've got a big problem and instead of tracking your your numbers down to the penny you should track how many of your new patients book their treatments with you and if not you need to take a step back Mm -hmm. you know did you comfort call your patients i have a friend of mine she practices outside the city she just got in the habit everybody she gave local to she called and people think that are you crazy but it's not like she's calling 20 people at the end of the day necessarily yeah but she drives you know a couple hours in the car she has her call list every time she's at a light or whatever she'll nobody answers their phone anyways usually so you leave the voicemail (laughs) But it also cuts off it emergencies. It means so much. It yeah. cuts off emergencies because at the end of the day, if you're upset in a restaurant or a store, 
all you want is to be heard. Yeah. And patients just want to know that, yeah, you actually do care about their well-being. And that means calling after hours. Mm-hmm. Some people, younger dentists are like, peace out, five o'clock. Yeah. As, um, so one of my like mentors was like Howard Friend. Um, and he did this thing. So he did like the 30-day dental MBA. But then he did another like VHS set like back in like uh, back in the <laughs> day. Five, yeah. And it was... Uh, the virtues of profitable dentistry. And that was one of the biggest takeaways from, I had from that was he said, like, call every patient, make sure you get into the habit of that. And like, I admit, I'm, I don't do it every day, but when I do, like, it's so rewarding as well. Like, people are like, wow, like, you actually, like, called and you, like, followed up. Like, like I think that's, like, one of the greatest things because um, at the end of the day, like, we're healthcare workers, like you said, and getting that satisfaction from it is, like, worth more than any and money. And not only that, it helps also deal with emergencies. Don't forget to take your Tylenol. Don't forget this may happen. That's perfectly normal. It might yeah. be a little sensitive. Call me, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And it's about communication, communication, communication because if you're not communicating with your patients and your patients don't feel you're listening to them, you will never be a success. Yeah. So track the success of your procedures, track the success of the happiness of your patients when they leave the office and the money will come. Yeah, you sure. will, like I said, I, I, you know, how many, de- there's not too many dentists without a roof over their head or food on the table. Yeah. <laughs> and if they don't have either of those things, I'll show you someone that doesn't care about their patients and yeah. never cared about getting better. Yeah, that's excellent. Perfect. Thank you so much. That was a great episode and uh, a lot of good information there. I'm sure it'll be one of the popular ones and a lot of people will get well, a, lot I hope of, so. a lot of good value from it. And uh, so we'll follow up at some point and we'll do the uh, part two Excellent. and uh, we'll get more clinical. I look forward to it. We'll, we'll get it nerd out a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Fiend.